Hi there, this is James Maynard from the Cosmic Companion. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, our podcast is put out through Anchor FM. If you've ever wanted to have to your own podcast, they're a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, Anchor gives you a chance to uh, put get your podcast together with all the tools in one place. And um, you can do it from your phone or a computer. And they're going to help you get distributed out to all the major platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. And so, best of all, Anchor's all free. How cool, huh? Anyway, if you want to check it out, go download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Clear skies. Hello, and welcome back to The Cosmic Companion. In this week's episode of Astronomy News with The Cosmic Companion, we watch the launch of a Falcon 9 rocket, lifting a pair of astronauts to the International Space Station. We also learn about a newly discovered type of supernova. We travel to a solar system much like our own family of stars, And we find how a world roughly the size of Earth has been confirmed around the nearest star to our solar system. Then we travel back 66 million years to the end of the age of dinosaurs, learning how an asteroid larger than Mount Everest changed life on Earth forever. And In a special interview from Japan, we talked to Professor Seiji Sugita from the Department of Earth and Planetary Science at the University of Tokyo. He is a researcher on the Hayabusa 2 mission currently exploring the asteroid Ryugu. The launch of a Falcon 9 rocket on Saturday carried two astronauts into orbit on their way to the International Space Station as it orbited 417 kilometers or 260 miles above the surface of the world. This is the first crewed launch of an American spacecraft from Cape Canaveral since the retirement of the Space Shuttle program. The astronauts on board the vehicle are Spacecraft Commander Doug Hurley, and Joint Operations Commander Bob Benkin. The first stage booster rocket of the vehicle landed safely on its pad several minutes after launch, successfully showing the capabilities of the new launch system. Massive stars explode as supernovae at the end of their lives, releasing heavy elements into the universe. A trio of explosions seen in recent years were seen growing brighter, then dimmer, more quickly than typical supernovae. Examination of these bodies suggests these eruptions may be caused by large stars composed nearly entirely of hydrogen and helium exploding at the end of their lives. 
just prior to the time they go supernova, the star releases a shell of gas which surrounds the body. When the shock wave from the explosion hits the sphere, it can produce vast amounts of blue light and other higher frequency radiation, creating these events called vast blue optical transients. The HR 8799 solar system lies almost 130 light years from Earth. Much like our own family of planets, four large planets orbit their sun, which may also be accompanied by smaller worlds. And while our own solar system contains a large asteroid belt orbiting between Mars and Jupiter, the HR 8799 system contains at least two such rings of asteroids. A new study from the Netherlands simulated that planetary system, revealing that asteroids and comets lightly bring rock and metal from the inner planets outward, while ice and other lighter elements along with rock are carried from the outer reaches of the system to regions closer to the parent star, helping to shape the planets in that solar system. In 2016, astronomers discovered the nearest exoplanet to Earth, orbiting the star Proxima Centauri. Now, new analysis from the Very Large Telescope in Chile confirms the presence of this world, roughly the same size and mass as our own planet. Researchers believe that its close proximity to its cool, dim star could provide the planet with enough heat for liquid water to pool on its surface potentially increasing chances that life may have developed there. Computer simulations modeling the impact of the asteroid that killed off the dinosaurs reveals that asteroid, larger than Mount Everest, struck our planet at the worst possible angle for life. Analysis of the event which took place 66 million years ago shows the asteroid struck the Earth at an angle of around 60 degrees from the horizontal. This maximized the amount of material thrown up into the atmosphere, resulting in vast quantities of material blocking sunlight and triggering a nuclear winter. Soon, unable to perform photosynthesis, Plant life died off worldwide, together with three quarters of all species on Earth, bringing the age of dinosaurs to an end. Today, we welcome Professor Seiji Sugita from the Department of Earth and Planetary Science at the University of Tokyo to the show. He is a planetary scientist working on the Hayabusa 2 mission exploring the asteroid Ryugu. So what makes, I'm just curious, what, can you tell us a little bit about what makes asteroids, especially uh, Ryugu, interesting? Right. Um, 
I'm a long-winded person, so a lot of explanation and uh, exciting things, but the probably most exciting thing about this uh, asteroid is the fact that it's got life's ingredient uh, on Earth. Uh, don't know if they are the original uh, ingredients coming from the asteroid, but they are the organics and water is contained in this uh, asteroid. We, the record from a beginning of the solar system is probably retained in one of these asteroids. Uh, that we're trying to find out that's the most exciting thing and the most important thing for this our mission. So do you think that um, asteroids are the first seeds of life or prebiotic material on Earth may have come from asteroids? Yes. Um, um, this is a question not yet answered, but they are the, uh, it continues to be one of the most important candidates for the major sources of uh, life's ingredients. We have three major categories or the uh, candidates for those ingredients, comet, asteroid, and then uh, planetesimals. It's a technical word, but those are the uh, small bodies that made the Earth, that began near the Earth. So three different locations of the solar system, but one of the top three, that's asteroid. That's super. And so, and tell us a little bit about the Hayabusa 2 spacecraft and what instruments did it, did it have on it? Um, we, uh, the Hayabusa 2 uh, uh, has, uh, well, many instruments. Uh, our visible camera, uh, near infrared spectrometer uh, to investigate the uh, minerals and then organics and so forth. And then the third one is a, a thermal camera that uh, look at the temperature on the temperature change in the surface. And the fourth one is laser finder, uh, laser range finder, and then uh, the many other things, uh, three landers. And then the last one is the, the artificial uh, uh, bullet uh, that uh, made a large artificial crater on the surface of the asteroid. It's called a SCI, uh, Small Carrion Impactor. And that's, uh, we have some more, but I think uh, those are the major uh, science instruments. Okay. And what was your biggest surprise that you found? Well, uh, well, that's a, yeah. I should have thought about it, but <laughs> too many surprises. But let me <laughs> let me say this. I think the the the, the outcome of uh, artificial impact, uh, uh, the artificial cratering, was by far the uh, uh, most surprising uh, uh, result. The size of the crater we formed on the surface of asteroid Rigu was much bigger. Well, the biggest of our upper limit of our previous uh, um, estimation. I was like, wow, this can be really this big? So that was the biggest, uh, biggest surprise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what do we, um, what do we know about, about the asteroid? What's its history? Uh, ah, of this particular uh, asteroid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one, I think uh, one of the most important thing uh, to point out about this asteroid is that it's not a uh, uh, original, uh, the, currently the size is so small. Uh, it's a half a mile across, 800 meters or 900 meters across. 
uh, that's too small to be able to survive through the entire solar system history. So it must have been a part of a so-called parent body, like a mother asteroid, big jet mama was there before. And then uh, it was uh, disrupted by another impact, by another uh, impact of another asteroid some time ago. And then, uh, then Vigu was formed. And then uh, um, uh, we, we see a lot of uh, large boulders on the surface of asteroid uh, Ryugu, mm-hmm. and those fragments was probably made on the, the disruption event of the uh, parent body a long time ago, and probably hundreds of millions of years ago. And then the original mother asteroid was formed probably at the very beginning of a solar system history. And then we are probably able to find out what happened to the parent body origin and the evolution by analyzing those small fragments contained in uh, uh, asteroid Ryugu. So that, that's the sort of uh, brief history of this asteroid and how our mission works. Wow, that's fabulous. And what can, um, you were talking about this asteroid being rich in organics. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about the chemical makeup and what makes it so special? Yes, um, uh, asteroid has uh, uh, different types. Uh, uh, some some asteroids are called uh, S-type asteroid, uh, C-type asteroid, and M-type asteroid. Uh, the, our asteroid is generally a C-type asteroid. There are some subclasses, all that things. Ours happen to be CD type, whatever. But the, the C stands for carbon, and S stands for uh, stone, and M stands for uh, metal. And then uh, the C asteroids are classified as a C asteroid because it's very dark. Um, uh, from the darkness, low reflectance, uh, we suspected, astronomers have suspected it's contained a lot of carbon. That's a very black, uh, very dark. And then uh, that's a, a primary uh, uh, observational sign for the abundance of carbon. And then the chemical uh, properties of uh, carbons and organics are hard to estimate. But based on uh, uh, meteorites, those are the counterpart, probably coming from those asteroids to the, to the, the surface of Earth. Um, based on the analysis of meteorites, we have a lot of different organics, but uh, most of them are um, so-called macromolecules, um, some uh, 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 burnt, uh, food. It's like, uh, uh, when you, when you cook a, a hamburger or a, a toast, you, you get some burn and mm-hmm. the very black stuff. Uh, that's very similar to what we see on the black surface or asteroid. But the exact mechanism of exact uh, property chemical, uh, makeup is something we will find out once we have a sample back on Earth. Right. Right. And of course, one of the findings I thought was pretty cool about that is that the um, that it appears that one side of the asteroid uh, has is largely dominated by reddish deposits, whereas the others are bluer. And um, can you tell us a little bit about about the color difference and what formed that? Well, thank you for uh, uh, reading our most recent papers. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
when we arrived at the asteroid in 2018 june in june uh, we thought the entire asteroid surface was very black low uh, reflectance everything is dark not much color difference but we began to learn that there's some little change in the uh, paint of colors um equatorial region oh do you see this uh, background of <laughs> my uh, virtual background yes this is a yeah. uh, 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 asteroid Vigu. uh it's very subtle but the equatorial region is a little uh, brighter than the mid latitude uh, mm -hmm. This has a little bluer tint to it. Uh, this mid latitude is a little reddish. It, 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 this is a monochromatic color, so uh, pictures you can't really see. And also, uh, the uh, polar region is uh, brighter and much bluer. And then, uh, uh, making a long story short, uh, this uh, reddish color was probably made by the CERN burning process. This asteroid was probably much closer to the sun in the recent past. I mean, recent being a uh, million to 10 million years ago, it's much longer than our lifetime, but they're much, much shorter than the solar system history. And then, uh, uh, so equatorial region and the mid-latitude region got darker and redder by sunburn. And then later on, uh, Rigu was actually spinning fast at the time, but somehow the spin, the, the pace of spin got slower. So, mm -hmm. uh, the material sitting on the top of a ridge in the equator started sliding down. It's hard to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from right, yeah, the equator yeah. to the mid latitude yeah. because the central fugal force uh, got uh, smaller. So mm -hmm. the landslides started happening. You can't really see in this uh, global pictures, but when I looked at the, uh, the uh, uh, detailed image, there are a lot of uh, landslide uh, uh, patterns on the surface. So material slid um, to the equator, uh, from equator to the mid latitude. So uh, I'm burned, uh, bluish material was exposed on the surface. So we see a non-sunburned material in the equator. Sunburned material was in mid-range. That's the other color pattern, uh, blue, red, blue. I don't know, that's maybe some uh, national flag. I have to check it out. <laughs> yeah. So that's a pattern. So uh, we are very excited about it. Two things. One is that this is probably the first geologic evidence to support that uh, orbital change, major orbital change happened in a celestial bodies and also deep, deep spinning was really happening. And then the second thing is that we, we went to the uh, top of this equatorial ridge for sampling. That means that we probably obtained uh, gathered samples from unsurmed sunburned fresh material. Probably some a little more material from sunburned material, but the the the, the, the uh, it's largely unaffected. So, oh, good. <laughs> so that's the uh, two two uh, major findings from a color pattern. That's so interesting. So, what's what's next in in your study of of um, of Ryuko and the uh, Hayabusa two mission? Mm. Right. Um, there are a lot of uh, exciting things uh, we can do once we get the samples back. But the, uh, the two 
to my view, there are two major tasks or challenges, exciting challenges we can do. One is uh, uh, to verify this really profit, not the profit, but it's a, it's a uh, fascinating story of the dynamics uh, by measuring the so-called surface age or exposure age of the samples, we can verify mm -hmm. if the story I just uh, told you is really correct. The, the, the prediction of this story is that the surface is very fresh. That means there's lots and lots of conviction um, uh, uh, turnover of material from inside and outside. So surface exposure age must be very uh, young. So that's one of the things I'd like to really confirm. We may be wrong, we'll find out. Second thing is that after understanding the surface motion of those materials, we hope to be able to find out what happens uh, to the parent bodies of Rigu. And then uh, uh, there are several uh, hypotheses to account for apparent uh, relatively low water abundance, actually. Uh, we do see a signature of water, water being chemically bound water, uh, water being a part of a crystal structures of the material. So uh, it's not liquid water, it's not ice cube, uh, it's a moisture attached, chemically mm -hmm. attached to it. But yeah, it, it, it's stable, but the, uh, the, uh, how, how did this chemical reaction happen? And then uh, uh, Rigu has uh, much less water than Bennu that was uh, explored by NASA's OSIRIS-REx uh, mission. What makes a difference in water abundance? All the other geologic properties, the colors and spec spectra and the shape and all that things are very similar between the two asteroids, but water is very different. That probably tells us what really controls the delivering efficiency from a, a colder part of a solar system to a habitable zone like Earth. Uh, uh, how much water can be delivered. Th those uh, things can be uh, addressed in a sample analysis. And that's the, uh, the sort of the big question I'd like to address next. Super, well, thank you very much. It was wonderful having you on the show. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And that was Professor Seiji Sugita uh, of the University of Tokyo. Next week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we'll be joined by Anna Ho, a Caltech graduate student who recently published a new study detailing the newly discovered form of supernova explosions known as Fast Blue Optical Transients, or FBOTs. Make sure to tune in next week for this talk from the cutting edge of astronomy. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your wonder alive. If you enjoyed this episode of Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, please download and share the episode on YouTube or on any major podcast provider. For more details on space and astronomy news, please visit thecosmiccompanion.com or thecosmiccompanion.net. Thank mm -hmm. you.